Bismillahirrahmanirrahim In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful The decision is yours By Tawfiq Al-Rifai, Book 1, Part 9 Charles, listen to me, Abu Hamid When I tell you that you have exaggerated greatly about the rights of parents Yes, they have the right to respect until the end of their lives. But as for extending the right to respect to the extent that they can impose their opinions, no way. I do not blame you at all when you talk about parents and the necessity of taking advice from them with regard to marriage. I don't blame you because of the fact that democracy is absent from your lives. So there is nothing strange about this family oppression which, if our lives were based on it, our social and political system would collapse and we would uh, become like you. Abu Hamad, I'm very surprised at how you sons and daughters justify your disobedience to your parents and how you defend the, dis- the disobedience of your own future children to you and how you have made this disobedience to parents a heritage that you recommend to one another. The conclusion of what you say is that you want parents to be like idols in the home of idol worshippers. There are as if there are two Sorry, there are as if there are two works of art uh, that are set up to seek uh, blessing from them or like rubber stamps that are used as, uh, as a seal of approval. Right now, you do not want anyone in the universe to be like you, but you will wish that for just one person on the day, you become a father. Right now, you do not want anyone in the universe to be like you. But you will wish that for just one person on the day you become a father. You will wish that for your son and you will wish that he will become better than you so that you can boast about him. You will understand on the day you become the father of an adolescent the extent of selfishness and insensitivity with which you used to treat your parents. You will see the extent of pain and suffering that your father went through when he saw the lack of loyalty in the apple of his eye. If democratic elections were held in this uh, land to determine who among men loves you most, the definite answer would be your father with no competition. If the same was done to determine who among women loves you most, the definite answer would be your mother with no competition. It would be the same outcome if this was done with all people. If a king carried out a coup against another king, that would be sad for the first king. But for this coup to be carried out at every moment in your house without you realizing it would be any gratitude. Moreover, if the ones who are carrying out this coup are the sons and daughters against their parents, that is harder. Moreover, if the one who carries it out today will have the same thing done to him tomorrow, that is even harder. If the entire society is based on that and the new generation defends that 
before uh, tasting its bitterness, then this is unparalleled selfishness. Yes, it would be expected that we would go down to the same level as you, uh, were it not for the fact that Islam protects the parents' rights completely to the extent that it is, to the extent that it raised honoring one's parents to the level of being a means to worship Allah. Again, yes, it would be expected that we would go down to the same level as you, were it not for the fact that Islam protects the, uh, the parents' rights completely, to the extent that it raised honoring one's parents to the level of being a means, of wor- uh, a means to worship Allah. It placed this kind of worship just below the worship of Allah in a status. Dr. Dreamer, you are hitting the sensitive spot in our lives. The pains we are trying to forget have affected us and they are stinging us at every moment. I don't doubt that a man like you realizes how much we miss this uh, honoring of parents and how great our need is for it. And that is why you have raised this issue. But your approach is emotional at the time when we are talking about something intellectual and this is contrary to reason. Moreover, you may find non-Muslim families in some societies on earth uh, where parents are honored as among Muslims or more. So what are you boasting about? Abu Hamid, I would like you to know that the fact that non-Muslim in some societies here and there on earth are like us does not undermine us in the slightest. Rather, it helps us to adhere more strongly to our religion. Because whatever is the best that people have, we have something like it or better. When a woman among us honors her husband and you find women on earth who also honor their husbands, this is a source of pride for us. The younger child respects the elder and this is also a source of pride for us if that is also the way of others. When a person treats a servant as he treats himself, this is also a source of uh, pride for us and so on and so forth. But despite that, we differ from these people and others in honoring parents because we regard honoring parents as an act of obedience to Allah alone. In order to prove to you that honoring one's parents is of a status which is uh, surpassed by nothing but the worship of Allah alone and that what I am telling you is not based on my ideas or my own ideas, Rather, it is a religious trust that I have nothing to do with. I will quote you this text and I will hope that you will think about it and read it in any spirit you want. If you read it uh, in the spirit of the parents, you will find it sufficient and great. If you read it in the spirit spirit of the child, you will find it likewise. It is a message or it is a passage from uh, chapter or surat Luqman in which Allah says, and indeed, we bestowed upon Luqman al-Hikmah. Indeed, we bestowed upon Luqman al-Hikmah, which means wisdom and religious understanding, saying, give thanks to Allah. And whoever gives thanks, he gives thanks for the good of his own self. And whoever is unthankful, then verily Allah is all rich, free of all needs, worthy of all praise. And remember, when Luqman said to his son, when he was advising him, Oh my son, 
join not in worship others with Allah. Verily, joining others in worship with Allah is a great zulm, wrong, injustice indeed. And we have enjoined on man to be dutiful and good to his parents. His mother bore him in weakness and hardship upon weakness and hardship. And his weaning is in two years. Give thanks to me and to your parents. Unto me is the final destination. But if they both strive with you to make you join in worship with me, others that of which you have no knowledge, then obey them not, but behave with them in the world kindly and follow the path of him who turns to me in repentance and in obedience. Then to me will be your return, and I shall tell you what you used to do. This is chapter Luqman. Uh, verses from 12 till 15. I want to explain a few points mentioned in these Quranic verses. Firstly, this passage makes honoring parents second in status only to worshipping Allah alone. Is there any status higher than that in religious terms? This means that the reason why honoring parents is still adhered to in a Muslim society is due to the status that Islam gives them. Islam turns honoring parents from merely being a natural feeling which found in all humans into a daily practice bringing the reward of actual worship and more. So it is Islam that has preserved the natural feelings of respect for one's parents and regulated them in our lives. But because your feelings remain without religion to regulate and guide them, they have been lost in your societies. Therefore, you can see your father's generation still honoring parents in various ways, whereas the current generation has become very disobedient towards their parents, and it is expected that the decline will continue during children's generation. Secondly, the verse mentioned the greatest form of parents' transgression against their children, which is when the parents are polytheists, i.e. non-Muslims. Not only that they are ordering their son to leave Islam and associate others with Allah. Ad additionally, they are striving to make him to do that. Yet, despite that, Allah did not order him to respond to their transgression against him with a transgression against them. On the other hand, he enjoined the son to behave with them in the worldly kindly in the world kindly. On the other hand, he enjoined the son to behave with them in the world kindly while not obeying them in this reprehensive reprehensive action. Listen while I quote the verse again, but if they both strive with you to make you join in worship with me others that for which you have no knowledge, then obey them not, but behave with them in the world kindly. Luqman chapter 31 verse 15. So the verse is very realistic when it mentions the differences that may occur between children and parents, even in the highest and most serious matters, and which the parents may escalate uh, to the highest levels. Despite all that, it is essential not to mistreat them. So how about differences that are less serious than that? Look at this text in whatever way you want, from the point of view of a father 
or of a child. If you look at it from a child's point of view, this is you today. If you look at it from a father's point of view, this is you tomorrow. If you want to look at it from the viewpoint of an advisor or a planner, then you will look at it from a viewpoint of fairness and balance. When you do away with this principle, you have in fact decided to do away with the only system for lasting family happiness for you and your family and your offspring. If you want to know more, then look at another passage from the Noble Quran in Surah Al-Isra, chapter Al-Isra, which describes the required level of honoring parents. Let's read it. And your Lord has decreed that you worship none but Him, and that you be dutiful to your parents. If one of them or both of them attain old age in your life, say not to them a word of disrespect, nor shout at them, but address them in terms of honor, and lower unto them the wing of submission and humility through mercy, and say, My Lord, bestow on them your mercy, as you did as you as they did bring me up when i was young and say my lord bestow on them your mercy as they did bring me up when i was young al isra chapter 17 verses 23 and 24 this is the required level of honoring parents here the parents have reached the age and old age is a burden and hardship in some cases it is senility and abuse Sometimes it is mistreatment of your children and wife and so on. The forms it may take are well known and never ending. But despite all that, Allah says, say not to them a word of disrespect. The commentators said, if there were a word in Arabic that is less than the word of, translated here as a word of disrespect, the Quran would have mentioned it. It is not only required to ignore their mistreatment, rather the matter is more serious than that. Say not to them a word of disrespect, of, nor shout at them, but address them in terms of honor. You have to lower the wing of honor for them. No, not just that. You have to lower the wing of humility for them, which stems from mercy. If humility in principle is something low, then what is required is to lower it further and further. Moreover, this wing of humility stems from mercy, not only from obligation and effort. Finally, the verse speaks of a level which most people cannot reach, which is, and say, my Lord, bestow on them your mercy, as they did bring me up when I was young. It is as if man is unable to reach the right level of honoring them. Hence, he should pray to Allah to help them, to honor them, by saying in his supplication, bestow on them your mercy, as they did bring me up when I was young. What is the difference between your father's kindness to you when you were young, and your kindness to him when he grows old? If you treat them, if you treat him kindly. The difference was understood by one of the scholars when a man asked him about his mother who had grown old and he washed hair as she washed uh, as she used to wash him when he was a child and he did everything for her when she was old that she did for him when he was small 
Then he took her for Hajj, carrying her, uh, carrying her on his back, and he carried her on his back around the Kaaba in Mecca. And he said, "Have I repaid her?" He said, "No." Talking to the scholar, the scholar said, "No." So he said, "Why not?" He said, "Because you are doing that. You are doing that with the hope of relief." even if it comes through death, whereas she did that with the hope that you would live a long life even if it was at the expense of her own. Finally, I would like to explain to you that it is not merely the matter of feelings towards one's parents. Rather, it is a matter of practical actions that are obligatory at all times unless it involves disobedience towards Allah. in the sense that you must obey them in all things unless they tell you to do something that Allah has forbidden or to transgress against other people. Believe me, Charles, I lived all my life accompanying my father except for the period of my studies abroad and his, uh, and his fishing trips because that was his work. And I never, uh, again, believe me, Uh, Charles, I lived all my life accompanying my father, except, of course, the period of my studies abroad uh, in his fishing trips, uh, because that was his work. And I never went against his command in anything. The same is true of all my brothers, and he died. Uh, uh, the same is true for, of all my brothers. And he, my father, died when he was totally pleased with us. I could not sleep. a single night with my wife and children if I felt that he was upset with me at all until I went to him at night and sat with him and kissed his feet, hands and head. And I felt that he was totally pleased with me. Then I would go back and sleep feeling totally at ease. The same is true of all my brothers. Uh, by God, I still feel deep regret, regret in my heart when I think that I was able to be more kind, but I did not do it. I have written a book which tells of the wisdom behind honoring one's parents and the bad consequences of being disobedient towards them, and I called it, uh, I called it, thus my father passed away. Hakada rahala abi. Thus my father passed away. Hakada in Arabic, Rahala Abi. I'm going to publish it soon, but I do not think that I will translate it into your languages. The way we used to treat our father, we do for our mother and more. Now I find my children behaving uh, towards me in the same way when I have reached this age because they have been educated in the same school. Just as we hope for reward from Allah, we fully believe that honoring and, dis, uh, uh, honoring and disobedience of parents are something that is inherited. The Prophet Muhammad, peace and a blessing of Allah be upon him, taught us and we have seen with our eyes that what he taught us is true and real. That punishment for disobeying parents is hastened in this world. He said, There is no sin more deserving of Allah's hastening its punishment in this world before the hereafter than disobedience to parents and severing of family ties. 
I will leave you to think about these hadiths saying of Prophet, which I have quoted from Prophet Muhammad, peace and the blessing of Allah be upon him, so that you can realize the reason why honoring parents has survived in Muslim societies. As you know, we are not entirely happy with the level of honoring parents that we have reached and we are still hoping for more. Let's go over the hadiths. The first one, it was narrated that Abdullah bin Mas'ud, may Allah be pleased with him, said, I ask the Messenger of Allah, peace and a blessing for Allah be upon him, which deed is most beloved to Allah? He said, prayer offered on time. I said, then which? He said, honoring one's parents. Al-Bukhari. Uh, hadith number two, it was narrated that Muawiyah bin uh, Haida, uh, Haida, may Allah be pleased with him, said, uh, I said, O Messenger of Allah, whom should I honor? He said, your mother. I said, then whom? He said, your mother. I said, then whom? He said, your mother. I said, then whom? He said, then your father, then the next closest and the next closest. At Termidhi, hadith number three, it was narrated from Ibn Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, that a man came to the Prophet, peace and a blessing of Allah be upon him, and said, I have committed a great sin. Is it possible for me to repent? He said, do you have a mother? The Prophet said, do you have a mother? He said, no. He said, do you have a maternal aunt? He said, yes. He said, then honor her. Sahih Sunan al-Turmidhi. Uh, hadith number four, it was narrated from Abdullah bin Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, that the messenger of Allah, peace and a blessing for Allah be upon him, said, while three men were walking, it began to rain and they found shelter in a cave in a mountain. Then a rock from the mountain fell over the mouth of the cave and they were trapped. They said to one another, See if you have done any righteous deeds for the sake of Allah and pray to Allah by virtue thereof. So, <coughs> so that he might remove the rock for you. One of them said, O oh Allah, I had my parents who were old and my wife and I had young children. I used to graze these sheep for them. And when I would come back in the evening, I used to milk the sheep and I would start with my parents and give them to drink before my children. One day I was delayed and I did not come back until evening and I found that they had gone to sleep. I milked the sheep as usual, then I brought the milk and stood by their heads, but I did not like to wake them from their sleep and I did not like to give milk to the children before them. The children were crying at my feet and I remained like that and they remained like that until dawn came. <clears throat> if you know that I did that, if you know that I did that, seeking thereby your face, then open it a little for us so that we may see the sky. Then Allah opened it a little for them and they could see the sky. <coughs> narrated by al-Bukhari. Hadith number five, it was narrated that Abu Hurairah, Abu Hurairah, may Allah be pleased with him, said, the messenger of Allah, peace and a blessing, peace and a blessing for Allah be upon him, said, 
no son can repay his father unless he finds him enslaved and buys him and frees him manumits him or frees him muslim charles let me go back to the lofty position of woman which you claim was brought by islam because i can see that it it, it is diametrically opposite to the actions of muhammad peace and a blessing for allah be upon him himself based on my reading of history i have read in the biography of muhammad peace and a blessing for allah be upon him that he married nine women is that true is this honoring woman isn't this a kind of abnormal lust why does islam allow a muslim man to have four wives but it allowed him alone to have nine you can say anything but you cannot deny that the one who does that is doing it only for the sake of physical pleasure no one would believe you if you say otherwise <coughs> abu hamid i'm going to answer you on the basis of reason not islamic law and it will not take too long what do you think yes it is true that the prophet muhammad peace and a blessing for allah be upon him had nine wives at one time but if you think deeply about the matter you'll find that this was the greatest honor for a woman and it was not the matter of physical desire do you know why i ask you charles were these nine women virgins or were, were most of them virgins so that we can claim that it was the matter of desire the answer is that there was only one virgin among them aisha may allah be pleased with her i think that you will agree with me that all the daughters of the arabs wished that they could marry the prophet muhammad peace and a blessing of allah be upon him and you will agree with me that the families and tribes whose daughters muhammad married increased in standing and honor above other tribes is that not so so why did he only marry nine women if he was following lust when all the daughters of the arabs were available for him to choose from why did he marry his first wife when she was 40 years old and he was 25 if he was following his lust a woman of that age is not usually desirable to a young man of the age he was and the lustful young man would not uh, waste the age uh, of energy and strength with a woman of that age why did why didn't he take a second wife until he why didn't he take a second wife until he had passed the age of uh, 53 moreover does desire usually increase or decrease after the age of 40 so that we could say that he married for the sake of lust would a lustful man waste his life in marrying previously married women some of whom had dependents with them when he was able to marry virgins of whom he married only one you will find that the answer is he only married them out of compassion towards them to save them from loss and to encourage his companions not to forsake divorcees and widows and to protect their children from loss if you look today at prisons for young offenders you will find that the largest number of prisoners are children of widows and divorcees moreover muhammad was going 
through hard times and striving against his enemies. His marriages encouraged others to sponsor the children of the martyrs. Would anyone who desires woman marry woman with problems and children? He married the daughters of some of his enemies, thus drawing their families closer to him and breaking down some psychological barriers among their wives' people. He married Ramla, the daughter of his chief enemy, Abu Sufyan ibn Harb, before the latter entered Islam. He married the daughter of the Jewish leader, whose name was Safiya bint Huyay ibn Akhtab. In every case, we see great wisdom behind his marriages. The woman's beauty or wealth or lineage and the like played no part in his uh, choices. So there were only nine women. Yes, I say only. And why? Because you are the most likely to know how many the prophets before him married. You know that uh, Gideon, who according to the Bible, Gideon, or Gideon, who according to the Bible was one of the prophets of the children of Israel, had many wives. And it says in the book of Judges, Gideon or Gideon had 70 sons of his own, for he had many wives. Judges chapter 8 verse 30. David had innumerable women available to him, as it says in the Bible. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I gave your master's wives into your arms. Second Samuel chapter 12 verses 7 and 8. Concerning Solomon, the Bible says he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. 1 Kings chapter 11 verse 3. Why is this regarded as shameful in the case of Muhammad when it is the way of the prophets. So I say nine wives only because any Muslim who marries four wives may divorce them and marry others no matter what the number reaches so long as the number at any given time does not exceed four. But the Prophet Muhammad peace and the blessing of Allah be upon him is the only one whom Allah forbade to marry any more wives after these nine even if he were to divorce them all. There is a verse in the Quran which indicates that in Surah Al-Ahzab, chapter Al-Ahzab, the Confederates, it says, it is not lawful for you to marry other women after this. It is not lawful for you to marry other women after this, nor to change them for other wives, even though their beauty attracts you, except those slaves whom your right hand possesses. And Allah is ever a watcher over all things. Al-Ahzab chapter 33 verse 52. Even you, Charles, can marry one and then another if you wish as wives and not as mistresses. The law does not forbid you to do that. Moreover, in your society, you practice polyg polygamy. Moreover, in your society, you practice polygamy all your lives in the worst manner, there is hardly any man among you who has not had many girlfriends or any woman who has not had many boyfriends, which is the way of those who are crazed by lust. 
which is the way of those who are crazed by lust. Have you heard that the Prophet, peace and a blessing fall be upon him, took a mistress in secret? If you look at the life of the Muslim family today, you will see that the greatest reason for its survival is the marriage of the Prophet, peace and a blessing fall be upon him, to these women, because each one of them was obliged to convey to the outside world what she saw of the sayings and deeds of the Prophet, peace and a blessing for Allah be upon him, in the house. This very matter is mentioned in the Quran where Allah says in Surah Al-Ahzab, the Confederates, And remember, O you, the members of the Prophet's family, the graces of your Lord, that which is recited in your houses of the verses of Allah, and Al-Hikmah, which means the Prophet's Sunnah, legal ways. So give your thanks to Allah and glorify His praises for this Quran and the Sunnah. Verily, Allah is ever most courteous, well acquainted with all things. Al-Ahzab chapter 33 verse 34. So each of his wives became a reference point and source of knowledge. Hence, knowledge spread among the women of this nation by virtue of these women and others like them. If he had only one wife, would she have played this great role? If you study the life of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing fall be upon him, you will see that they narrated everything from him, yes, everything, with all honesty and eloquence. Moreover, how can this have been a humiliation for them when they were raised by these marriages to the status of mothers in the Quran, whereby they were they were given the title mothers of the believers. Is there any status higher than that of mother? And their status in knowledge was also raised as they became teachers and examples for the believing woman. Is there any humiliation in, in the position of teacher? For your information, their life was not uh, theoretical and idealistic, rather it involve all kinds of ideals, problems, desires, mixing with people, sleeping and walking and so on. There was no aspect of the life of the Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, that remained hidden. By means of them, it became entirely possible to follow his example in family life, as well as in economic and political life and all other aspects of life. If you divide a man's life into hours and work out how much time he spends at home, and how much time he spends outside the home, you will find that the time he spends in his home is not less than one quarter of his day, i.e. six hours. If those who narrated about the life of Prophet Muhammad, peace and a blessing of Allah be upon him, outside his home, numbered in the thousands of his uh, uh, companions, when that, when that represents three quarters of his day, or 18 hours, then how many narrators should there be of his sunnah during the rest of the time, i.e. the time that he spent at home. Moreover, the companions who saw him were more than 100,000 men and women, and they transmitted everything from him. Would it be appropriate for only one woman to transmit, to transmit details of his private life at home? How unjust that would be for women afterwards. Forget, forget about this entire answer of mine if you wish. And listen to the answer of an Italian academic whose knowledge and fairness no one doubts. She is also a non-Muslim. Her name is 
Laura Fixia Faglere. Laura Fixia Faglere. And she says in her book, the enemies of Islam insisted on depicting Muhammad as a person ruled by desires. In his many marriages, they tried to find a weak character who was not in tune with his message. But they, but they refused to take into consideration one fact, which is, throughout his youth, when sexual desires are at their strongest, despite the fact that he lived in a society where marriage as a social institution was virtually uh, non-existent, and a plural marriage was the rule, and divorce was very easy, he married only one woman whose name was Khadija. He did not marry any other woman until after she had died and after he had passed the age of 50. For each of his marriages, there was a social or political reason. His aim was to honor women who were pious or to establish ties through marriage with certain clans and tribes, seeking to open new avenues for the spread of Islam. With the exception of Aisha, uh, Muhammad, peace and a blessing for Allah be upon him, married women who were neither virgins, nor young, nor beautiful. Does that suggest motives of lust? He was a man, not a god. It may be that the desire for children was what motivated him to marry again, but he always adhered to complete equality for all of them. He followed the example of the prophets of old, such as Moses and others, concerning whom it would seem no one objects to their plural marriages. You should never think that the wives of Muhammad, peace and a blessing for Allah be upon him, lived like women in palaces. No, rather they are examples to be followed in their knowledge and actions. They lived a very hard life at home and they were not forced to live with him. When they wanted an easy life and more maintenance, Quran was revealed from Allah giving them the choice between staying with him in this life or leaving him. This is the surah. Let's listen to the surah of Al-Ahzab and these verses. O Prophet, say to your wives, if you desire the life of this world and its glitter, then come. I will make a provision for you and set you free in a handsome manner. Divorce. But if you desire Allah and his messenger and the home of the hereafter, then verily Allah has prepared for good doers among you an enormous reward. Al-Ahzab chapter 33 verse or verses 28 and 29. It was narrated that Jabir bin Abdullah said Abu Bakr came in seeking permission to enter upon the messenger of Allah, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, and he found the people sitting at his door, and he was not given permission to enter. Then Umar came and asked permission, and he was not given permission to enter. Then permission was given to Abu Bakr and Umar, and they entered and found the messenger of Allah, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, sitting with his wives around him, and they were silent. Umar said, I'm going to say something to the Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, which will make you smile. Umar said, O Messenger of Allah, if you had seen the daughter of Zayd, the wife of Umar, asking me for more maintenance just now, and I poked her on the neck, and I poked her on the neck, 
the messenger of Allah, peace and a blessing for Allah be upon him, uh, peace upon him, smiled broadly and said, they are around me as you can see, asking me for more maintenance. Abu Bakr got up to hit Aisha and Umar got up to hit Hafsa and both of them said, are you asking the messenger of Allah, peace and a blessing for Allah be upon him for that which he does not have? The messenger of Allah, peace and a blessing for Allah be upon him, told them to stop. They said, by Allah, we will never ask the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, peace and the blessing of Allah be upon him, again for something that he does not have. Then Allah revealed Quran, giving them the choice. He started with Aisha. He said, Oh Aisha, I want to suggest something to you, but I want you not to rush to answer until you consult your parents. She said, What is it? O oh, Messenger of Allah, what is it, O oh, Messenger of Allah? He recited this verse to her. O Prophet, say to your wives, if you desire the life of this world and a signator, then come. I will make a provision for you and set you free in a enhanced manner. Divorce. But if you desire, desire Allah and His Messenger and the home of the hereafter, then verily Allah has prepared for good doers among you an enormous reward. Al-Ahzab, the Confederates, chapter 33, verses 28 and 29. Aisha said, do I need to consult my parents concerning you, O Messenger of Allah? No, I choose Allah and His Messenger. But I ask you not to tell any of your wives what I have chosen. He said, Allah did not send me to make things hard for people. For people, rather, He sent me uh, to teach and make things easy. None of them will ask me what your choice was, but I will tell her. Perhaps we have spoiled Charles' joy. But I am sure that I am speaking to uh, people who have good understanding. Finally, if Charles looks at the number of women that a man is allowed to marry, he will realize that Muhammad, peace and a blessing of Allah be upon him, limited uh, plural marriage and did, not, and did not introduce it. Marriage was open-ended and a man could marry as many women as he could afford, whereas Muhammad, peace and a blessing of Allah be upon him, limited it to the number mentioned conclusions of the first two gatherings perhaps the reader has moved from one idea to another while reading this book because the conclusion has not emerged clearly before his eyes but for a man to see his life passing before his eyes without caring about his destiny he will never be able to reach any conclusion How can a man ignore the nights and days of his life when he is passing through them? How can he ignore his house, his street, his wife, his child, his parents? That is totally, that is totally impossible. Even if a barefooted man can walk on coals, how can he be patient if his heart becomes a hearth full of burning embers? So it is essential to find a practical solution with no false courtesy or delay. Here it is essential for my reason to make a decision. Here it is essential for my reason to make a decision. My decision by means of which the embers in my heart and the fire that threatens my family will be extinguished and my future will be protected against a decision that would spell doom. If the judge of reason cannot reach 
uh, if the judge of reason cannot reach a decision until this moment, then let it go back to the dialogue that took place because it contains evidence and documents which are more than sufficient to enable it to make that decision. Otherwise, he will have issued a ruling against himself, even if he feels that he is living at ease. Being hung by a coarse rope is like being hung by a rope of self, of silk. Being hung by a coarse rope is like being hung by a rope of silk. In either case, you lose life. In either case, you lose your life. But if you hang yourself and lose your life as a sacrifice to blind fanaticism, it may be said that it is his soul and he can do what he likes with, with it. But as for hanging your son or your daughter, this is infanticide. This is infanticide which Islam abolished. For you women to continue showing your charms and selling your bodies at the side of the road in business fairs, in the workplace, in advertisements, and in the media, this is a slavery which Islam abolished. As for taking away the high status of love for the mother, and the father to be replaced by personal interests so that when the child no longer has any need for you, your authority vanishes. This is disobedience which, which Islam forbids. As for taking away the high status of love for the mother and the father to be replaced by personal interests so that when the child no longer has any need for you, your authority vanishes. This is disobedience which Islam forbids. Alhamdulillah, I will stop here now and I'll continue later on uh, in the third gathering.